Alright, welcome aboard the dragon once again. The orbital zombie dragon. The fastest pirate vessel in the galaxy. Maybe even in the universe. Welcome to the show. I'm your captain, Richard Boomzilla Pippin. And this is the show where I talk about all things sci-fi, horror, and fantasy. I usually try to get something from all three categories, something recent, something either just got released on Netflix or streaming services, or is currently at the theater. And I do have a couple things that are currently at the theater. But today I also do not have really anything for fantasy. And part of the reason for that is there just isn't much recent <laughs> and fantasy seems to be a little dry spell. You know, Game of Thrones is over till uh, who knows when early next year. So I am looking forward to that, though. I didn't get to cover that because the show was on hiatus while that last season went through. But it was really good. A couple flaws to it, but everything's got flaws, especially a big, long, epic thing like that. But hopefully the show will still be going strong when that comes back out again. And we'll have some regular fantasy stuff right there, at least for a while. <laughs> but today we actually have like kind of two sci-fi things for you. So I'm basically going to do a sci-fi. Then we'll do a little break with some horror. And then we'll do a, another sci-fi thing. Probably that third one's something you've been waiting to hear about. If you haven't gone to see it already at the theater. But before we get into what I have for the categories. I just realized when I relaunched the show uh, a couple weeks ago. That I didn't really talk about myself. I didn't introduce myself because I know some people didn't listen to the old show, the previous 42 episodes. So they don't know about me, you know, uh, for these new shows. <laughs> so I thought I would introduce myself. Richard Pippin's my name. Uh, you know, Captain's uh, nickname there. My pirate name is Boomzilla. I uh, have always been into sci-fi and fantasy and horror stuff since I was very young. Uh, even the horror stuff, horror didn't scare, scare me too bad. My first horror movie I ever saw was John Carpenter's The Thing. And I think I watched it like on HBO. My brother was babysitting me and, and the parents were away. And he made me promise like, I'll let you watch it, but you can't tell mom and dad. <laughs> that sort of thing. And I did. I watched it. That one freaked me out a little bit, but it kind of set my, you know, set uh, my hunger, my appetite for horror. I was really into Stephen King as a kid, uh, really into Clive Barker later on when I discovered him, but always, always into sci-fi and fantasy stuff. I was a Dungeons and Dragons kid growing up, and of course, Dungeons and Dragons, that's just the most common one that everybody's heard of. There are tons of RPG, tabletop RPG games out there, and we played them all. Me and my buddies, we played them all. Uh, there were some sci-fi ones that TSR put out. And then some later ones like Shadowrun and Vampire the Masquerade and all that stuff that was really popular. I need to adjust this mic a bit. Okay, that sounds better. <laughs> uh, so that kind of got me into it. And luckily, uh, my parents, especially my mother, even though uh, uh, some of the people that they were friends with were kind of against those type of games. Because there was this thing, you know, back in the 80s it was like, oh, that was devil games. My mom was like, I don't know, his friends come over, they play, they, I know where they are, I know what they're doing. You know, they're not getting into trouble. And uh, also she saw the creative side of it. You know, we had to come up with these stories and these characters every weekend. And also, to be honest, there was a lot of reading and math. 
<laughs> in those games. You don't see that really with video games too much these days. But yeah, there was a lot of books, a lot of manuals to read, a lot of math, to, you know, used in the game and in the, in the mechanics of the games. So on the whole, I think my mother saw it as something good. And it really did get my creative juices going. And eventually it got me into writing. I started writing when I was in junior high school, mostly short stories, stuff like that. And currently now I'm working on my first novel. Uh, I've had a couple novel projects over the years, but I kind of feel like those were just kind of building my skill level into the novel writing thing. Because before all I wrote was short stories. So some of that stuff I don't really want to, uh, my first attempts really want to publish. They were okay. But I'm writing something much better now. And we'll probably talk about that some more at a later point. I'm also working on a serial fiction thing. If you're not familiar with serial fiction, it's kind of like a TV show or, or a comic book, but it's just in written form uh, where you just release episodes and seasons of a show. And that's um, kind of a thing that uh, once upon a time, you only saw that in magazines. It wasn't for a long time. It wasn't really a common thing because magazines, as you know, they're kind of, well, they're like newspapers. They're kind of uh, struggling. They're kind of dying out. So you don't really have a place for the serial fiction anymore but then amazon comes along with their direct publishing and all that so now serial fiction is a thing again and i'm working on a project like that and again i'll probably go into that in some more detail later on this is just kind of introduction of me and the stuff i'm into why i decided to do this show um i was delayed for about a week my last episode my episode one of the new show was two weeks ago again i'm trying to nail down like a co-host guest sort of thing uh, it's very difficult. <laughs> I'll just say that it is difficult. Number one, it's difficult to do your own show, your own podcast, because you're kind of doing it all yourself and to get someone else that's into it. Cause it's a lot of work with little reward, at least at first, uh, for a while. So you've got to have someone fun that's first off has a passion for it. You also got to find someone that, uh, you know, can, uh, have meetings about it, go over kind of show notes, go over, uh, plans for the show and, and, and kind of share your vision for the show and also, you know, have time because a lot of people think of podcasts and they think you just show up. I find this a lot talking to people. They think you just show up and you blab about stuff, but there's way more to it than that. There's homework. It's, especially on a show like this, you have to you have to be able to go see recent movies. You have to be able to watch TV shows and even binge watch shows to be able to talk about it that weekend. And it's just hard to find someone that's as into it as you are. Uh, to really have a co-host and I'm not naming any names here. I've, I've had a couple that I've approached and it just so far hasn't worked out. So it's still just me guys. <laughs> it's still just your captain here talking about whatever the captain wants to talk about. So, <laughs> cause the captain gets to talk about what he wants to talk about. Right. Um, what else I want to talk about? There's a couple of things I want to talk to about before I got my show. I want to talk about my recent movie going experience. And the reason is, Apparently, <laughs> there are people out there that even though they have all that stuff before the movie starts, all the little tips to not ruin the movie for everyone else, apparently there are some people that do not know, don't read, or just don't give a damn and don't follow these rules. So I want to talk about this. Two of the movies I'm talking about today, one of them I saw uh, last weekend. And in the last 15 minutes of the movie, now, as you know, the last 15 minutes of a movie can be very important, right? It's where things wrap up. It's where the resolution comes. The conflict comes to a head and there's a lot of stuff going on. That's kind of the part you don't want to miss, the ending. You know, what, what, 
what all this has been leading up to. Well, this woman, <laughs> one row in front of me and a little bit to the right there, breaks out her supersized smartphone. It might have been one of those Note things or iPhone X or something like that. And she just proceeds to start texting with somebody through the whole last 15 minutes of the movie. Now, I've seen that warning before at the, at the beginning, like, don't look at your phone. It's distracting to everybody else in the theater because it's so bright. But I'd never really experienced it before. And this time I did. And let me tell you, it is bright. It is really, really bright in that darkened room when you break out your supersized smartphone and <laughs> start texting back and forth with somebody. It was so bright that it was kind of blinding me. I kind of had to look away a little bit. And it actually, because she was in front of me to the right, it like dimmed down and faded out the lower right quadrant of the big screen for me. It was, just like they say in those warnings, very distracting. I wanted to kick her in the back of the head, to be honest. <laughs> but it didn't. You know, I'm, I'm fairly civilized, even though I'm a pirate. Uh, <laughs> but I was like, really? I would have loved to have known what that text conversation was about. Yeah, girl, uh, we going to dinner after this. Uh, yeah, my husband here with me, you know. It was probably nothing freaking important that couldn't have waited like 15 minutes for the rest of us to enjoy the last 15 minutes of the movie. So please, people, keep your phones in your pockets. And then, okay, this weekend, uh, I'm going to see an, another movie I'm going to talk about today. And in the first 30 minutes, again, this is where they're setting up the story. You know, the movie just started, ready to go. You came here to see a movie. I came here to see a movie. This lady behind me and to the right again. Maybe that's my bad thing. I'm sitting in the middle. I got somebody to the right every time. She's just blabbing about stupid shit to the guy that's sitting next to her. I don't know if it's boyfriend, husband, whatever, about stupid shit totally unrelated to the movie for like 30 minutes. Now, I'm not rude normally, <laughs> but I did kind of keep turning around and just staring at her I'm turning around if you hear me fade out and turning around and acting it out here in the studio even though you can't see me i turned around and i'm like just staring at her but she ain't even looking in my direction she don't see the dirty look i'm giving her nothing so finally another guy i think this lady was like two rows behind me and to the right well i think a guy behind me one row and to the right finally turned around and was like shut up and she did i kind of looked back again because, you know, sometimes when people do that, they go like, don't tell me to shut up. You know, they get mad. She didn't get mad. She just had this look on her face like, oh, that's right. We're watching a movie. Like she just suddenly realized the rest of us watching a movie. So please don't talk during the movie. Keep your phone in your pocket. Damn it. Really, people. <laughs> so, uh, One more thing I want to talk about before we get started. I'm trying a little experiment today. I'm trying to make this podcast really sound more like, even though it's just me, talking to you guys, more of a conversation, more natural, like I'm just talking with some buddies. You're all my friends. And so I'm trying to experiment today. I apologize if it doesn't turn out as good as the normal quality of the show, whatever that means. Uh, but I'm trying to do less notes. I used to, when I first started the podcast on the old show with the four, first 42 episodes, I used to have very detailed notes. And I found that that was kind of in a way distracting. It gave you some more 
a lot of ums and ahs and your things where you're trying to find the next note or you lose your place in the detailed notes. And it was less like a conversation. So I started reducing the notes. But I kind of felt like recently it was still, even though I'd reduced it and just kind of put bullet points, it was still kind of too much. So I'm trying even less notes, just a few little minor things, like that stuff that I may not be able to remember. And maybe a general direction for each thing I'm talking about. But other than that, I'm just going to tell you what I feel about these shows or these books or these comics or whatever we're talking about. So that's my experiment. It's the less notes experiment. Hopefully it sounds more natural. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> I might have to adjust. But again, this show has always been kind of a work in progress. I've learned a lot with those first 42 episodes. Hope to keep learning more and take you guys with me on the journey. But enough of all that, all this intro, all this build up. Uh, the three shows I want to talk to you about today are Annihilation, which just came out uh, this last Friday. The Open House, which is a Netflix original movie, I think came out like last month. I know it's a 2018 film. And then I want to talk finally about Black Panther, which came out last weekend. So, yes, we'll jump into it. Annihilation. I was really uh, looking forward to this film. I saw this trailer quite a few times in recent months. And uh, Natalie Portman's in it, and I hadn't seen her in anything in a really long time. So I was kind of excited to watch something with her again. It plus it's a sci-fi film, and it had a very intriguing trailer. Although the trailer, uh, while it shows a little bit of the weirdness in the movie, doesn't even scratch the surface of the weirdness of this movie. But we'll get into that a little bit. Annihilation, 2018 film, of course, st of course starring Natalie Portman, as I mentioned, as Lena. You know Natalie Portman. You should, by now, at least. She was in all the Thor movies and uh, V for Vendetta, if you want something genre, and tons of other stuff. You got I Oscar Isaac plays her husband, Kane, who you all know as Poe Dameron from the new Star Wars films. Dameron, I guess is how you pronounce it. But you know Oscar Isaac. And then Jennifer Jason Lee, who's been around forever. She plays Dr. Ventress in this. If you want something recent genre she's been in, she was in one of those recent Amityville movies. I think it was Amityville, The Awakening. But again, she's been around forever. She's been in tons of stuff. Uh, not a lot of genre stuff that I recall, but she's been in some. So, Annihilation. Now you've seen all the trailers. It's kind of like this uh, weird thing that's going on in this area that's called the Shimmer. And it kind of looks like an oil and water sort of thing. This haze in the air. This zone. And... Uh, it starts out at the beginning of the film, shows you how the shimmer gets there. Basically, this meteor comes down and just, weird stroke of luck, just smacks right into this uh, lighthouse. Boom. <laughs> it's just, you know, of all the places on Earth it could hit, bare ground, open water, whatever, you know, it smacks right into this lighthouse. Boom. If you hear that sound effect, that's me punching. Boom. Boom. <laughs> and it starts spreading this, this shimmering, you know, like oil and water effect, haze and everything. And it's called uh, this zone, whatever, the, the shimmer zone. Uh, of course, the government responds, kind of isolates it, uh, evacuates the neighboring communities all, and starts investigating this uh, meteorite crash and the shimmer, and they send teams in. And none of those teams return, okay? Now... The movie starts off basically showing you that meteor strike and everything. I'm just going to give you the setup. I'm going to try not to spoil anything. Although I think it's impossible to really spoil this movie without telling you every little detail because it gets really detailed. 
But anyway, the, the deal is Natalie Portman and her husband, uh, Kane, were both in the military. Okay, she's out of it now. She's a professor of, like, microbiology, uh, you know, giving a lecture in the beginning. And they tell you right away that her husband's been kind of missing for about a year since he went on this mission. She doesn't know what the mission is at first. But through the course of things, uh, he returns suddenly. Just shows up at the house. And he seems very confused and not really himself. So she's trying to bring him, like, to the emergency room. And then, boom, like, you know, the, the black trucks... You know, like the government agency black truck show up and intercept the ambulance, right? And they take him and her in, and that's when she finds out this mission that her husband was on was she was he was one of the people that was sent to the shimmer to find out what's going on, and he never came back till like a year later. But talking to him before he you know develops these medical conditions and goes unconscious again, talking to him it it doesn't feel like it's been a year. It feels like he just you know, been away for a little while and boom, he's back in his front yard staring up at the house, not really knowing how he got there. So the mystery begins there. So, like I said, he starts having these medical problems. His organs are failing and all that, probably from being exposed to something in the shimmer. And Natalie Portman is now in this government facility with a bunch of these other people that are researching the shimmer. And she realizes basically that her husband that she's been missing for a year and is suddenly back is probably going to die if they don't find out what's in the shimmer and what's causing it. So she volunteers to go in. The head scientist is Jennifer Jason Lee, Dr. Ventress, and she takes her up on it because Natalie Portman's a natural fit. She's a soldier and a scientist. You can send her in, she can handle herself, and maybe she can help find out what's going on in the shimmer. So they pick this team of five women including the Dr. Ventress. And you don't really know why in the beginning Dr. Ventress has been volunteered. She knows nobody comes back better than anybody. She's been in charge of this operation forever. And she knows everybody she's sent in has never come back. But you kind of get the idea when the movie starts, all these people have their own reasons for wanting to go into the Shimmer. And I'm not going to spoil anything, but it kind of gets revealed as they go into the Shimmer and start experiencing it. It starts out a little weird, okay? Just a little bit weird. And it goes from a little bit weird to stone fuck nuts weird. And really, not really fast. I got to tell you, though, one of my only criticisms of this movie, and there's going to be a ton of people that don't like this movie. I enjoyed it. But one of my criticisms, it is really slow paced. It's really quiet. There's a lot of talking in the beginning between her and the doctor. And it's not dramatic. Like, it's not dramatized in any way. So they talk like normal people talk. They're talking calmly about things and, uh, you know, not a lot of yelling or excitement or really drama in their speech. They're just discussing things. So it's really, really slow pace. Uh, if you're easily bored by a lot of dialogue, you probably will be bored at least in the very uh, beginning of the film. So... <clears throat> That's, you know, fair warning there. <laughs> but anyway, like I said, it gets really weird, uh, probably about halfway into the movie, and it just keeps getting really, really even weirder from there. Uh, this is not like a sci-fi movie you're probably used to seeing. It's, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to describe it without uh, spoiling the story for you, except that it gets really strange. It gets really, uh, really brainy 
really uh i mean you got to be a super super sci-fi geek really like the hard sci-fi geek to get into this movie i got into it it really piqued my curiosity throughout it you know some of the themes there's themes you see in sci-fi all the time it's basically you know existential what is the nature of our existence what is the nature of human existence uh not really a, so much a why are we here thing as a uh how does nature work and and it's kind of even included in, in the title Annihilation. It's kind of about how you may think nature is a destroyer. Bad things happen or things happen uh, that kill us or someone we love or whatever. But And we may feel these things are like adversarial in some way, like they're the enemy. But those things don't think of us that way, if they think of us at all. Think of it like, like cancer. And believe me, I've had tons of people that struggled in my life that struggle with cancer. Cancer doesn't have feelings about you. It just does what it does, and it is what it is. And, and that's kind of one of the big themes of this show is like evolution and, um, and genetics and, and cells and all. They, don't even, they aren't even aware of you. Just, they just do what they do. They do what they're programmed to do. And it may seem destructive and like it's the enemy, but it doesn't think of you as the enemy. It's just doing what it does. Like I said, this gets into some really heady stuff. So I guess my review or my recommendations of it is a lot of people are not going to like this film. I really liked it. Uh, it kept my curiosity throughout the whole thing, but may definitely not be most people's cup of tea. This is not some sci-fi action flick like the trailer might would have you believe. It's not even really a sci-fi horror, although there are some there is some scary stuff in it. But it, it is just mostly kind of a brainy, kind of high-end sci-fi. And uh, not everybody may like it. I could probably pick out the people in my life that would like it. And uh, just kind of, you know, if I did a glance, if I had everybody I knew in a room, I'd just kind of glance around the room. Probably easily 75% of the people I know would not like this film. <laughs> okay. But the really super brainy sci-fi people that's really into it will probably enjoy it and kind of walk away and wonder going not just it, it does explain things at the end but it'll it'll leave you thinking sort of like the way like one of those david lynch films leaves you thinking like what exactly happened you you know what happened but you, you're going to spend if you're if you got into it you're going to spend weeks after the show maybe even watch it again to try and kind of piece it together it's that complex <laughs> so that's my review. Fair warning. Some people are not going to like this film, but other people are going to love it. This could be a polarizing movie like that. But anyway, on to the next show. Uh, I actually picked this for the horror section. Like I said, we're not having a fantasy section today, so I'm breaking it up with horror. I'm talking about The Open House from Netflix. Uh, this is a movie I saw. I just, it just popped up on recommendations, and I was like, oh, it looks interesting, just the description of it. I'm like, I'll check it out. And I regretted it. <laughs> Not to spoil the end of my review here, but this is a bad, I'll just start out by saying this is a bad film. I did, uh, it was terrible. It didn't start out terrible, uh, but it, oh, I'll get into it. 2018 Netflix movie, like I said, starring Dylan Minnette as Logan Wallace. You may recognize him from Don't Breathe. I highly recommend that horror movie, on the other hand. Definitely, if you have not seen Don't, Don't Breathe, you should watch that uh, over this. 
uh, it also has uh, Piercy Dalton as his mom, uh, Naomi Wallace. I've never seen her in anything before. So let's get into this movie. This movie kind of starts out promising, okay? It starts out like a, a very familiar sort of horror start out of a film. The boy, uh, uh, Logan, his dad, dies right in front of him. And it's one of those kind of, mm, you've, you've seen this probably a dozen times in different movies, that the, the dad is coaching the boy, and they decide there's a reward afterward. They go and get a snack at a convenience store, and the dad's walking back with a snack in his hand, like, hey, son, I got the ice cream or whatever. Whatever, I don't know what he was holding his hand, but he's like, hey, I got it. Big smile on his face, and boom, he gets run over by a truck right in front of the boy. Boom. Doesn't get shot in this one like they do in some films. He just gets run over. Boom. Scene cuts, you know, at the funeral, uh, people are talking. Uh, some of the discussion is how they're not going to be able to afford the house anymore now with the dad going, you know, gone. And turns out the mom's sister has this house that she's trying to sell, and they can go live there uh, while she's still trying to sell it, as long as, like, on the weekends, they clear out for the open houses when people come to look at the house. So deal, deal done. They go there, they're in financial trouble, whatever. So they go to the house, and right away, some weird things start to kind of happen. It's kind of a weird, crazy neighbor that you think kind of maybe has Alzheimer's, something wrong with her. You can't nail her down even on whether or not her husband's dead also. First she says he is, later she's like, oh no, he's still around. Why would I say something like that? But the lady's kind of a wackadoo, uh, or she has some problem. So <laughs> anyway, that's the neighbor. And um, just weird things start happening. Like uh, things start moving in the house. The boy can't find his phone one day. It's like, I swear I put it right here, and now it's gone. Uh, put something, he puts a bowl of food down, he comes back to the, in his bedroom, he comes back, the bowl of food's in the living room now on the coffee table. Every time the mom goes to take a shower, the hot water heater down in the basement, of course, they have a creepy-ass basement, uh, is going, the pilot light's going out, and the water gets cold. It's like, ah, and she sends the boy down there to restart the pilot light. And she goes, this happens several times. So you start thinking along different lines, like maybe something supernatural's going on. Maybe this house is haunted. The boy suggests something else, like, isn't it kind of weird you have these open houses on the weekend and people come walk around your house and looking at it? Does anybody really check to make sure everybody leaves? Maybe somebody's stuck around and just hiding somewhere in the house. In fact, at one point, they even called the police to police search the whole house. They can't find anybody. So it really gets you thinking in like two or three different directions. It could be this, could be this, could be that. And uh, even starts, you know, kind of screwing with you with some twists and everything. And the first 30 minutes of it or so looks promising. But then when, when, really, when stuff really starts happening, this movie is a huge, huge letdown. Uh, I'm, <laughs> this is one of those movies I really can't recommend. Don't watch it. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to spoil anything for you just in case you do watch it. But I'm going to tell you, like, don't, don't, waste your, don't waste this two hours of your life. It's, <laughs> it's horrible. Because like I said, it gets you thinking in all these different directions. And not only is it none of those directions, but it ends and it never tells you. And even kind of when, when things start happening, and let me just say it, uh, try not to spoil it, but the killer shows up. And you think maybe you're going to find out who the, the killer is, whether it's supernatural or just a serial killer or a psycho that stayed uh, past the open house. It never tells you. It never tells you. And you think at one point, maybe it even adds a layer like, like the, the killer's trying to set the boy up to kill all these people and make it look like the 
a boy whose father died and is angry just did this, killed his mom and killed everybody else. But then they totally blow that out of the water too. And then they just never tell you. Just like, this reminds me of the movie The Strangers where everybody just dies for no reason and doesn't give you an explanation, nothing. Horrible, horrible, horrible ending. Horrible second half of the movie. I can't say it enough. Just, just don't, uh, just, if, I'm sorry. I hope I didn't spoil it for you if you do intend to watch it, but just don't do this to yourself. <laughs> you will thank me for warning you to not waste your time on this. So, <laughs> so uh, on to the last section. Enough about that one. The, oh, God, that's a horrible movie. Uh, I didn't have a, I couldn't find something fantasy. I tried and tried and tried. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to talk about Black Panther because I went to see it last weekend. 2018 film starring Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa, King T'Challa, also the Black Panther. Uh, he's pretty much locked in in this Marvel universe. He's been, played Black Panther in, a, I think, Captain America Civil War, and he's going to play it in the next two like Avengers movies that are coming out, too. So he's locked in. Marvel's not a bad cinematic universe to get locked into. He'll probably be, you know, sent for life and be able to do projects, whatever projects he wants to. After this, I'm sure he is already. Uh, <laughs> but you also have uh, Michael B. Jordan as Eric Killmonger, which is an interesting villain name, but it's an interesting character. We'll get into that. Uh, yeah, if you haven't seen uh, Michael B. Jordan in anything genre, it might be because he was in the he was Johnny Storm in that horrible Fantastic Four reboot that I talked about on the previous show. Another movie, not to waste your time on. But it also has Denai Guerrera in it as Okoya. Okoya is like the general and also the like the lover of the king's brother and all that. And of course, Danae Guerrero, you should know who that is. That's Michonne from The Walking Dead. Okay, so booty alert here. Michonne from The Walking Dead, Danae Guerrero, is hot. Okay, super hot. I always thought she was the hottest uh, woman on Walking Dead. Way hotter than Laura, Laurie. Way hotter than, uh, what's the one that uh, wanted to offer herself all the time? I can't remember now. <laughs> but Daniel Guerrero super hot and she's super hot as Okoya in this in fact there's this uh, I say that but you have to see her when she's not scowling okay a lot of her roles in this role including she's scowling a lot she may not look that pretty when she's scowling but if you see her like when she smiles Daniel Guerrero is super hot so in fact I'm going to have to change this old joke of mine this old joke of mine that I tell every now and then is that I like my hot, my uh, my coffee hot and black like Kelly Rowland. But I said it recently to one of my colleagues here on the ship. And they uh, they kind of looked at me funny like, who's Kelly Rowland? People don't know anymore. That's that's forever ago. That's Destiny's Child, right? So I'm going to have to change it to Denai Guerrero. Like I like my coffee hot and black like Denai Guerrero. <laughs> this is a stupid joke I tell. Which, by the way... She was on uh, the Nerdist podcast, which is now called ID10T. No longer the Nerdist. It's the same guy doing it, Chris Hardwick. But they had Denai Guerrero on it. And it was a it really, hate to suggest other podcasts on my show, but you should go listen to that podcast, especially with Denai Guerrero. It was an awesome interview. She's super smart, super funny, and uh, also very talented. She's also an award-winning playwright. I did not know that. She's written several off-Broadway plays. That got all these awards. Uh, also in this film, you have uh, Daniel Kaluuya as Wakabi, the king's brother. 
And you should know him also from Get Out. I don't know if I've talked about Get Out on the podcast before. I don't think I have. But if you haven't seen Get Out, awesome, awesome horror film. You should definitely see Get Out. So enough about that. Black Panther. Went to see this. And of course, this one is getting a lot of high praise from critics. A lot of high praise, high praise from fans. And it is mostly deserved. <laughs> it is definitely mostly deserved. I really enjoyed this film. Like a lot of Marvel films, there's a lot of action in it. In fact, that's probably one of the only criticisms I have at it, of it is some of the action. And a lot of Marvel films are guilty of this. The action is so fast and furious that sometimes it's hard to focus on it and see what the hell's going on. But it's got a really deep story between the characters. And of course the story is T'Challa, uh, his dad... Oh Lord, we got a buzzing sound. Hold on a second. All right, sorry about that. We had a passing ship or asteroid field or something. I don't know what the hell that was. Anyway, what was I saying? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. The setup of the story. Basically, T'Challa, his dad, dies in like this bomb attack at the UN somewhere or whatever. And now he's taking over as king. And, of course, uh, the, the, the king of this, this, this fictional land of Wakanda is also the protector of the people. He dons the, the, the Black Panther get up and also partakes of this drink that's made from this flower that grows down in these caves that gives them all these powers, makes them very strong, very fast, very agile, all that stuff to become the Black Panther and be the protector of his people. Also, this fictional land of Wakanda is also hidden from view. So like if you saw Wonder Woman, the island was hidden from view. It's kind of like a chameleon field over Wakanda where nobody can think it. People think Wakanda is like this third world nation. But they're actually very wealthy and technologically advanced, hidden under this canopy of this chameleon field. And part of the reason they are so wealthy and technologically advanced is because aeons ago, this, this huge meteor that was full of vibranium crashed into this area, and they've been mining it for years, and they use it in their technology, and they uh, also it's very valuable, so they've become very wealthy. So, like I said, nobody knows about Wakanda being very wealthy. They've kind of hidden themselves from view. And that becomes important to the story later on. Again, I'm not going to spoil it. Well, <clears throat> of course, there's difficulty. T'Challa is, you know, taking over the, 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 uh, the country, and there's challengers that he has to face. But he ends up overcoming these challenges right in the beginning and becomes the new king and the Black Panther. Now, going from here, they, of course, have some enemies. I mean, obviously, someone killed his father. And that's played by uh, Andy Serkis, who I think is the first time I've ever actually seen him physically on screen. He's a voice actor, mostly, that did the voice for Gollum in Lord of the Rings. So you finally get to see what this guy looks like. He plays this villain called the Claw. And uh, it, was, it was actually very good. He was good in that role. And it was pretty nice to see Andy Serkis. Did not look like what I would expect him to look like. But, of course, that's one of their enemies now. Again, we have this noise. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we usually don't have this problem in the studio today. I'm sorry about that. Anyway, so, <laughs> again, Andy Serkis is, is this villain, and also this Eric Killmonger, who is associated with this Claw character at first. And this Eric Killmonger seems obsessed with trying to get, uh, you know, get this vibranium and uh, get also find Wakanda and get into Wakanda. He apparently knows about Wakanda. I'm not going to spoil it for you how he knows about Wakanda, but he knows and he wants to get in. He wants to become the king 
and have all this vibranium become super powerful and super wealthy. So, of course, this is kind of the major conflict in the film from Eric and T'Challa. And, and kind of the, the first part of the film, uh, T'Challa is trying to figure out where this threat is coming from and why. And again, this very, it gets a pretty, as for a comic book movie, I'd say this gets pretty complex as far as intercharacter relationships. Uh, but it's a good story. Uh, definitely good story about a, 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 a new king that's trying to be both strong for his people, but wise. He shows some, trying to show some wisdom. He seeks out the wisdom of his elders. And one of the elders, of course, played by Forrest Whitaker. And this is another point I want to bring up in this movie that makes it really excellent. They had some excellent casting in this film. There are some flashback scenes in here to like, you know, the 1990s. And let me tell you, when you find out who those characters are later on, when it's revealed who is who, and it's the younger version of this guy and the younger version of that guy, they did some excellent casting. Okay. When you, when it shows it to you, you'll be like, oh man, he totally does look like a younger version of that guy. Really cool casting. Really cool story. I said some, some great action sequences. And Denai Guerrero really uh, smoking on the screen as General Okoye. Okoye. I hope I'm saying that right. <laughs> There's, I want to talk about one cool scene in there. Martin Freeman, you know, from The Hobbit and, you know, the Lord of the Rings and all that, uh, plays the CIA agent that's helping T'Challa and Okoye out. And in this process, they're having, they're having this talk, kind of this friendly chat. Uh, while they're in, uh, while they have uh, the claw in the interrogation room, and trying to decide on how they're going to approach things, uh, Martin Freeman wants T'Challa to let him handle it, and uh, he'll let him talk to him afterwards, and kind of gives reaches over and gives T'Challa a friendly pat, like oh, yeah, let me let me take care of this one for you, buddy, and just pats him on the shoulder, and then Guerrero looks over as Okoye. And just kind of looks at the hand on the king's shoulder, just looks at it, and then looks at the guy that just touched the king like this. He touched the king. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to smoke this dude. Like I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to spear him because <laughs> she carries it around this vibranium spear, and, and she doesn't like the king. T'Challa says like, you know, it's okay, calm down. And she says something to him in their language like, uh, if he touches you again, I'm gonna impale him on that table over there. <laughs> It was a really cool scene. There's a lot of great acting in here. Like I said, Martin Freeman's excellent in it. Uh, Chadwick Boseman's excellent. Diana Guerrero. And like I said, the only thing I would say is some of the action was a little disorienting. And especially at the end, you got this great story of these uh, interpersonal conflicts and relationships. And kind of the last, uh, I, mean, I guess you got to have that in a Marvel, Marvel movie. But kind of the last 20 minutes or so, or maybe 15 minutes of it. It's like pure action, and it seems a little, like, I understand having the action in it, you need that in a superhero movie, but it seemed a little over the top. Like, it got really crazy. There was CGI rhinos and vibranium armor running around. It's like, was it really necessary? But it did give a cute ending scene to one of the fights. I'll say that about the rhino. <laughs> Again, won't spoil the ending for you, but it is a great and powerful ending with uh, T'Challa trying to show his wisdom and bring Wakanda into a, a, a new age of, of, of glory there, into a new age where, where uh, not only will they be a strong nation, but also be able to help the rest of the world. So <laughs> it's definitely, 
I'm not gonna say this is like you know like critics have this at first they had it at 100 percent I think it's like 98 percent on Rotten Tomatoes right now, and I wouldn't say it's that good. I'm sure it got a lot of points for for various reasons and 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 probably deserved reasons, but this is a way uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't say better than average. If you took all the comic book movies and stacked them up, I'd say this is what was this one was better than some of the good ones. <laughs> okay. And and probably deserving of being darn near the top on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. So definitely it's worth going to see at the theaters. I'm not saying it's a masterpiece. It's got holes in it like anything else does. But it is definitely worth a look. Uh, you won't feel like you wasted your money going to see this film. Uh, and thankfully now it's like the second weekend. It may not be so crowded. Let me tell you, the opening weekend, it was packed. It was like shoulder to shoulder in there. And if I hadn't gotten there early, I'd have been, you know, I'd have been sitting in the front row, staring up. You know, you're doing the front row with your head cocked back. You know, leave with your neck sore. Uh, but, but also, it was deserving of being that packed. It was well worth going to see. So that's my recommendation for that. Definitely worth a look at the theater. Uh, I guess that's it I have for the shows I'm reviewing today. Uh, I want to mention again, I've started a YouTube channel. Still only have one video up. I'm about to do some book reviews. So, so far, all is up as this video introducing it and showing what books I selected in February. I'm not even sure I'm going to finish reading all, all three books in February. It's a short month, and I've been uh, very busy lately. But uh, hopefully, like early March or so, I'll be able to post a review of those books also. So it's Boomzilla Book Reviews. is just the playlist. It's actually the Orbital Zombie Dragon channel on YouTube. So go check that out. Get to see what I look like, <laughs> if you're curious what I look like, uh, but you'll see me on there and uh, talking about these books. That's what I'm focusing on on the YouTube channel is just books as opposed to TV shows and movies. So I guess that is all I have for you guys today. It's time for us to uh, drop out of orbit, low earth orbit here where we do our transmissions and uh, get back into light speed, head out to handle a crisis somewhere else in the galaxy. Uh, so Hopefully um, you guys enjoyed the show. Hopefully you enjoyed the new, you know, uh, less notes format that I'm trying. And um, hopefully I'll see you guys again, uh, you know, next week. But for now, uh, it's time for Dragana, Dragana to take us out. Check out the website, orbitalzombiedragon.com. Check out the YouTube channel. Check us out on Facebook. I try to post some info on Facebook every now and then about new episodes and stuff that's coming up. But I guess that's it for today, guys. Hope you enjoyed the show. I'll see you guys next week when we come back into low Earth orbit for another show. Take us out, Dragana. Dragana.